what you hear and think it would be. Okay? So, with that, we're actually getting to a sermon today. And I am really excited to be introducing to you Kevin Prowlis. This is a guy who's been going to the church now for a number of months. He's a Life Bible graduate. I'm, I don't want to take too much of his bio because he's going to give you a little bit of it here. But I do want to tell you that, that I asked him to sit, give me some information about him so that I just said the right things and, you know, filled it out and everything else. He's playing on the worship band. He was down at Graham Myrie's church. How many remember Graham and Christy Myrie? So, you know, I mean, he's down, he worked down there for two years as the youth and worship pastor, and he's getting involved in our worship and so on. And they wanted to come in, you know, carefully and so on, love the place. So they're just doing more and more, and I asked him to preach. And was really impressed with the preach call that you're going to like. But he wrote this little line to me, he says, I often think before I act, but rarely before I speak. My mouth has a permanent foot-shaped hole because of that fact. <laughs> And I just thought that that sort of, you know what I mean? This is a guy who's filled with humility, but who has also got some real chops. So without further ado, because we want to get going with him, would you just welcome Kevin Prowlis? Before we start, I want to move this table forward. Is that good? Cool. And I thought I'd sit today, because you all get to, and it's more comfortable this way. <sighs> That's better. All right, I'm good. You guys good? You ready? Well, thank you for having me. Uh, again, I'm Kevin, and before we get started, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, kind of, A lot of you, I think, don't know me very well. Um, so as Kurt said, I went to Life Pacific College, which is like the Foursquare Bible College in Southern California, and I graduated in 2008. Uh, I actually graduated, um, th- there's this phrase that when I first found out I was graduating this way, I had no idea what it was, because I wasn't a very good student in high school, but it's, um, I think, it, I'll probably say it wrong, uh, graduated cum laude. Does anyone know what that means? <laughs> I, I was, got that announcement, like, in the mail, and I was sitting next to my friend who's always been an A student, and I was like, what does cum laude mean? Did I do something wrong? <laughs> It was like, no, man, it means you got a 3.8 or a 3.9. That's awesome. You know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> awesome. I just kind of thought it meant I was fired or something. Uh, <laughs> uh, after being at Life, we went up to uh, my I actually met and married my now wife. I have a picture of her up here. Oh, I'm controlling that. I should probably control that. Technology, man. Well, that's not it. There we go. <laughs> There's my wife. Um, I have two pictures of her. One, of the, the one on the left is, is one that I've taken and how I view her. Just beautiful, wonderful. Doesn't she just look intelligent? She looks like she has a great personality. She does. It's all true. And on the right is the picture she took of herself. And this is how she views herself. The, like the shades, the, I am so cool. <laughs> yeah. And she is cool, but she is that cool right there. And uh, she's actually a wedding photographer, and right now she is in Vancouver, Washington. So I am not accountable for anything right now, I, not for like three hours until she comes home. So I can say whatever I want, and she's actually watching the live stream now. So if I get a phone call, I'll probably have to take that, because uh, <laughs> I'm probably in trouble. Um, so that's, that's Johanna. We, uh, after graduating from life, we went up to... Uh, Vancouver, Washington, where we were on staff at Graham's Church for two years as the worship and youth pastor. Um, and w- there we have uh, two kids. Here are a picture of our kids. Yeah. <laughs> two cats. They're cats. 
Not, if you're looking for kids, stop looking. Uh, my, my, I know my mom's watching this live stream, and for a moment she was just like, wait, what? <laughs> when did you guys start having kids? Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so this is Anara. She's, uh, yeah, I'm that guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, she's the, we call her our little fatty, because she eats a lot, and she whines when she doesn't get her food. Um, and this is Chai. She's our, our lover. Uh, you can see in this picture she just had a bachelorette party, and I'm pretty sure she's hungover in this picture. She won't admit it, but that's, come on, does that, it's a guilty look right there. So, yeah, that's, that's our cat. So, uh, after about two years, God called us up here to Bellevue, Washington, and um, this is the first time in my life that since I've been a Christian that I've not been in church leadership. Uh, I actually work in a corporate office right now. Does anyone else, who here works in a corporate office, show of hands? I'm so sorry, you guys, who raised your hands. Working in a corporate office is so hard, <laughs> at least for me. Um, my very first week at working in a corporate office, I, I do IT work, and I'm primarily mo- focused on like cell phones and that kind of thing. My very first day, I touched my computer, I don't know what I did, and my computer just like exploded. Uh, and it was not a prank. Something I did just destroyed this computer. And so I actually wasn't able to work my very first day. The, uh, the second day, my, the president of my company came in, and he got a new phone. It happened before I came. So I had the new phone. He handed me his old phone and said, I want you to make the new phone just like the old one. Same contact, same everything, just as if nothing ever happened, just a new phone. And he, he left, and I told him, okay, sure, it'll take like half an hour or so. Like three hours later, I realized that I wiped the wrong phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the president of my company no longer has his contacts or his, like, all his little shortcuts and all that kind of stuff from the phone. And fortunately, my coworker probably knew when they hired me that I'm an idiot, and so they just, like, backed up the phone before I got there. So we were able to recover it, but there was that, like, oh. <laughs> so then later in the week, I actually somehow managed to block text messaging from everyone in my company in Washington and Oregon. So, like... One day, a sales rep was able to text their person like, hey, when you go to this store, make sure you do this. And the next day, they did that, and it came up with an error message. And I'm still, actually, it's been six months, and I'm still, like, kind of getting phone calls like, hey, I can't text anymore. I'm like, my bad. Uh, <laughs> and then the last day of my first, first week, I'm just having this, like, awful new experience of a week. My boss comes in with her phone, and she's having some problems, asked me to troubleshoot it, and it's just kind of like, here, this, it's having some weird problems, so just see if you can fix it. And my boss is what you would call an app junkie. I don't know if you're like this. I believe when she handed me the phone, it had 127 apps on the phone, and I was troubleshooting it. I fixed it by like, resetting it back to factory defaults, and later I learned that I could have backed up those apps, but I didn't. <laughs> And actually, to this day, she hasn't downloaded an app since that moment. So uh, that, that was my first week at a corporate office, my first week of work there. And uh, I guess if you have a week like that, there's nowhere else you can go except up, right? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty awesome. I'm going to rearrange a little bit here. That way I can see this side of the Hi. <laughs> Good to see you. Um, so I, I don't know if you're like me, but when you read the scriptures and, and when you kind of come to God, the concepts that come out of the scriptures and the concepts that God brings to you are the kind of stuff that's like, 
uh, big picture, like life goal, dreams, hopes, vision, that kind of thing, right? And so when God comes into your life, it's just this radical change that modifies um, all of the big stuff in your life. And then you have a week like I had, and, does, and you start to ask yourself, okay, God, I'm here because you called me here. And this is the big picture stuff, right? I'm called to be here. This is exactly what I'm supposed to do. Um, but what about touching my computer and it explodes? What's up with that? Or, uh, God, do you actually care about the, like, day-to-day stuff? That, uh, oh, the president of my company got a new phone. Should I, like, pray about that? You know what I mean? Like, is that important enough for God? And I don't know if you're like me, but when you're praying, your, your prayer life wavers from like, God, what I'm dealing with right now is so big. It's so important. I need you to do something like right now. This is like big deal, God. Drop what you're doing and answer my prayer. You, you know what I'm saying? Am I the only one that's like, <laughs> prays like this? Okay, good. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm just weird. Um, so I go from that extreme to the other extreme of, God, you know, I saw that preaching call about Africa, and they're going through some tough stuff. There's people in America that are going through some tough stuff, much worse than me. So I don't really want to bother with this, God. But if you get some time, like, in between appointments or, you know, you've got some free time, maybe if you could help me out a little bit, that would be great. You know, so I waver back and forth between those two extremes of, my problem has to happen now, God, and, and I don't know if I want to bother you with this. Because, again, it's that question of, does God actually care about the little things, the day-to-day stuff in my life? And so I've been searching the scriptures for an answer to that question. Does God care about the little things? And I found a passage that I am excited about. It's it's, uh, in the the book of Numbers. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Numbers chapter 22. Uh, It's one of my favorite books of the Bible, which actually, when I say that, Basically, any passage I read is like one of my favorite passages. So if, if you ever hear me speak again, I'll be like, oh, turn to one of my favorite passages. It's, the whole thing is my favorite. I'm sorry. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, it's going to be up on the screen after I say goodbye to Chai. Um, and just to set up the story a little bit for you, in Numbers 22, uh, you, you have Israel, right? Israel was in slavery to Egypt, and Moses led them out into the desert. They wandered around for way too long. And they found themselves out of the desert, and they're now entering into this land that God has promised them, right? Sound like the story? Um, so they go into the land, and now they're just kind of taking over. They're conquering this land. They're, uh, the people who used to live in the land are falling fast. And it's clear that God is with the Israelites. And the story actually tells you that. So if you're a little slow, it actually helps you with that. Uh, so you know in the movies where... There's the good guy, the protagonist, the guy that we're like, hey, I like him. He should win in this movie. Uh, and he goes and he does something cool. And usually it's like there's this little, little problem that the hero comes and kind of saves the day there. And then the movie cuts, and it, you're no longer watching the hero. You're now in the villain's, like, lair, right? And the villain, like, sees what happened. It's like, ah, oh, foiled again. Uh, curse that hero and whatever. I watch action movies, so if you watch, like, chick flicks and stuff, this totally doesn't apply to you. <laughs> Sorry, like, but, but you know what I'm talking about? Like, there's the bad guy in the lair, and he's like, ah, oh, this is a problem. How do I deal with this? And usually in those movies, there's this thing where he goes, ah, well, at least they don't know about my secret weapon. Ha, 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 ha. 
And then it cuts back to the hero, right? That's my acting skills. Uh, um, so that's kind of where we are in Numbers, is it cuts away. We're no longer talking about Israel. We're now in uh, this kingdom of Moab. And Moab has a king called Balak, or Balak, however you want to say it. Um, and the king is seeing what Israel is doing and is going, ah, oh, this isn't good. He's, they're taking over everywhere, and it's clear that their God is with them. So it's a good thing I have my secret weapon. And he calls this prophet named Balaam. And Balaam is an interesting character because Balaam does not necessarily, like he, didn't, he isn't Israel. He isn't an Israelite necessarily. Uh, but Balak approaches him and says, hey, Balaam, here's, the, here's the, my master plan. They're coming in, they're conquering. Bless, have God bless me, have God curse them. If you bless me and curse them, that's the key to victory, right? So Balaam says, okay, hold on, before you do that, let me pray about it. He goes and prays about it, comes back and says, I can't go with you, sorry, God said no. God said I can't curse them. So you get the idea. Balaam has this like big picture perspective. All right, God is with them, I must bless them. God is not with us. I can't curse them and bless us instead, right? So then Balak comes back and says, and he brings like his princes instead of just these guys. And so basically he brings like bigger guns. And says, well, what now? Now you're going to come? Come on, I want you to come. Do what I say. And so Balaam's like, all right, fine, fine, fine. Let's go. And so they're off. And that brings us to where we're at in uh, chap- chapter 22, verse 21. I should probably read it from the screen since I'm controlling it. So let me turn my chair again. Is this awkward? Cool. Okay, so here it is. You thought I was joking. I'm actually going to read the. Okay, so here it is. So Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry and beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, You've made a fool of me. Yeah. That's right. I'm not making this story up. This is how the story goes. Balaam answered the donkey, You have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I've come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared it. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now if you were displeased, I will go back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. 
So Balaam went with Balak's officials. So we read the story, and you, you got the part of the story where I read and go, like, you're reading, okay, this is a normal story, Israel having this thing, conversation, whatever. And then all of a sudden, the donkey opens his mouth and talks. And when the donkey talks, Balaam's first reaction is not, hey, a talking donkey. I didn't realize you were a talking beast. Are you from Narnia? Because <laughs> when you're talking about Narnia, you have to use a British accent, right? Um, you know what I mean? Like, where's Shrek? I didn't realize this was this kind of trip. Awesome. But he actually, like, responds to the donkey. I'm so mad at you. I would just chop your head off right now if I could. And then the donkey actually, like, answers. It's like, it's like well, here's, let's take a look at this psychologically. <laughs> I'm your donkey. I've always been your donkey, right? You always ride me. We're always cool, right? Today, it's different. Do you think something might be up? <laughs> it's like reasoning with Balaam and Balaam's like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's why you're the donkey. That's why you lead the way. I just ride you. Yeah. And so you have Balaam, who's this guy who gets the point. He gets that, okay, I can't be cursing Israel. I can't be blessing Moab. And yet there's this journey that he's on where he completely misses the details, right? And who's the character in the story that gets the details? The donkey. The, the creature that... Up until this point, doesn't talk, doesn't really reason. Donkeys aren't the brightest creatures in the face of the planet, and they get it. This donkey found God in this detailed moment, right? And so here's Balaam, who doesn't get it. Now, I'm sure all of us in this room are a little bit smarter than Balaam, and if a donkey started talking to us, we might start paying attention to what's going on. But just in case, I actually have this uh, test for you. It's called an awareness test. Um, so pay really close attention to the instructions, the details. It's a very difficult test. Uh, so if you're not paying really close attention, you're, you're not going to get it. Uh, and if you've seen this before, uh, tr- try not to ruin it for the people around you. Go, let's uh, roll the video. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? The answer is 13. Did you guys get that? But did you see the moonwalking bear? be honest, how many of you did not see the bear in the first one? Yes! I actually, I showed this video to a buddy of mine, an older friend of mine, and and they thought that I like, the the moonwalking bear wasn't in it the first time, and they made me show it again, and then they was like, no, you edited the video. It wasn't in there the first time, like, because I'm in my 20s, I'm like a hacker or something. But, (laughs) But how many times have we spent our lives counting the passes the team in white makes. And here's Jesus as a moonwalking bear. It doesn't get more obvious than a moonwalking bear, right? 
I realize I just ruined some of your perceptions of Jesus. You're like, every time you close your eyes to picture Jesus, you're picturing this like moonwalking bear costume. That's awesome. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm okay with that perception changing. But how many times in our lives are we like praying this certain thing, God, I need this to happen a certain way? Or, or God, I, okay, so big picture I got figured out. Over here, in this area of my life, I really need to see something happen. And Jesus has come as a moonwalking bear. I'm doing something. Pay attention over here. And we just miss it because we're so focused. We're so dialed into the passes of the team in White's making that we miss what God's doing. You know, I, in college, I went to Bible college, and I actually got to, uh, the opportunity to, to pray the stupidest prayer I've ever prayed in my life. Uh, when I first went to college, I didn't have a roommate for the first, like, half of the semester, which is awesome, by the way. Um, it's so cool to just have your own room and do whatever you want and not have to share an opinion with anyone else. Um, but then, and then I got a roommate, and, the room, and we, were, we got along fine, but it, we didn't, like, connect necessarily. And he ended up, like, moved all his uh, sleeping stuff to another room and just sleep, slept on the floor just because he just hung out with them all day. Um, I don't know how he got school done, but anyway. So I basically have my own room, and one of the cool things to do on our downtime was play Halo. Anyone's familiar with Halo? It's a video game where you basically just shoot each other in the head repeatedly. Um, and when I first came, I'm pretty good at video games, but I am terrible at the shooter kind of games. And so anytime I'd go in a group setting, I just would lose really bad. Like, uh, went into this group, and it, we played the first one to 50. It was 50 to zero when we played. I was just awful. And so I actually, the words actually came out of my mouth in a moment of prayer, God, would you please help make me better at Halo? <laughs> you receive that, yes. <laughs> yes, that stupid phrase came out of my mouth. I don't know why, but I just really felt like, God, I really want to get better at Halo. Would you help me get better at Halo? So around this time, I, uh, there was a guy who lived kind of down the hall, and I would go into his room, and he, we'd play Halo, and he'd just dominate me. And then he'd destroy me again, and destroy me again, and destroy me again. And I started getting a little bit better at Halo. Um, but then we'd go, it's like the group setting, we'll call them the LAN party, of like 12 TVs all hooked up, and you just kill each other in mass. Um, it sounds like a Bible college, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and I would just get destroyed again. I just wasn't getting better at Halo. And so here I am with this stupid prayer, God would get me better in Halo. Um, and then about three months later, the school year's over. And now the question is, well, who, who's going to be my roommate next year? Well, I didn't have a roommate this year, so I can't be like, oh, I really connected with this guy. Let's just stick, it, stick with it for four years or whatever. Uh, so I didn't know who I want to be roommates with. Well, the guy I was playing with that was just destroying me in Halo, uh, that was kind of coaching me through, uh, his name is Justin. And uh, he came up and was like, hey, man, you're looking for a roommate. I haven't found anyone. My roommate was a senior this year, so he's graduating. So let's just be roommates. I was like, all right, cool, why not? whatever. We obviously get along, we play Halo together, so what else is there in a relationship? Uh, <laughs> besides shooting each other in the head repeatedly. Uh, so we became roommates, and then we became roommates the next year, and then we became roommates the next year, and then I got married, and he was my best man. And now we still play video games together, 
And before we play, we log on to Skype, we log on our game and go, hey man, how's it going? How's life? How, how are things going with you? Hey, you just moved up to Bellevue, you just found this new church called Lake Sam, how's that going? Oh, I'm preaching. Oh, it's going well then. Uh, like, so, and now I have this like lifelong friend, this moonwalking bear, you might say, and all I wanted to do was get better at Halo, this stupid thing. All I wanted to do was just get better at a video game, and God instead took that and took that stupid desire and turned it into something just incredible. Isn't that awesome? I love it. And so uh, maybe we're here and we're like, all right, I get it. Got the big picture stuff figured out. Missed the details. What do I do? I'm Balaam. I missed God multiple times. The donkey got it right. Great. Well, Balaam actually shows a response that I think is, is interesting and profound, and I think it's, it's quite amazing. Uh, when God opens Balaam's eyes and he goes, oh, there's an angel with a sword. Uh, see that? That's actually uh, Rembrandt's version of, of this story. That is scary. <laughs> but if you didn't see that and all of a sudden you saw it, whoa, whoa. Okay, I was in trouble. I missed God, and here I am. What do I do? It says that Balaam bowed down before the Lord. He, he confessed, I have sinned. Man, I messed up. I didn't realize, God, that you were here. This whole time, I thought you were in the big stuff. Here you are on the road. And he, he starts to, it, it's the word we use in the Christian language is he repented. He said, okay, what I was doing was not working for me. Now I'm going to do something different. And he says, okay, God, if you're displeased, I'll go back. If you don't want me to go anymore, I'm now open to your suggestions. I'm now aware of the divine in the small stuff in my life. Not only am I aware of God in the small stuff in my life, but I'm actually asking his opinion on things. Does that make sense? You with me on that? So, so now he's involving God in the process. So uh, if you have a, your packet, Kurt hinted at it, go ahead and take out your packet. There's a little puzzle piece. Go and pull out that puzzle piece. We're going to play a game today. No, just kidding. I have a puzzle piece in my pocket. I have two puzzle pieces in my pocket. So go ahead and take out your piece, your puzzle piece, and don't uh, share it with anyone around you. As you might guess if you know two pieces. Um, so you're holding a piece of a 2,000-piece puzzle. So take a look at it. Take a good, like, gander at it. I've never used the phrase gander before, but here we go. Uh, based on the information you have, based on your one piece, what do you think the puzzle is of? <laughs> no, really. I actually want to know. What do you think? Galaxy. The galaxy. Okay. Forest. A forest. All right. Nature. Nature in the galaxy. What? The Last Supper. Gandalf. Gandalf. <laughs> this picture is just getting better and better. We're like in space with Gandalf and a forest with Jesus in the Last Supper. Anything else? What else do you think it is? Halo. Halo. <laughs> that would be amazing. No. Okay. Anything else? You think it's Rembrandt? All right. Well, let me show you what the picture is. That is what the picture is. Yeah, 
It's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I figured you, would, you were going to guess. You're just being quiet for the sake of the group. I appreciate that. But hold back. So from this piece, this small piece of the puzzle, this tiny little insignificant one two thousandth makes that. And so what were to happen if we were putting our puzzle together, if we just all came together and, and made this happen? And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I don't like my piece. I'm just going to throw that one away. What happens to the picture? It starts to go away a little bit, doesn't it? And if I take another piece, I'm like, yeah, forget that. You know what? This whole corner, I don't really like this corner. Let's just throw that away. The picture is no longer complete. And it's no longer this beautiful uh, picture that it was. You see, here's why this is important. Here's why Balaam's story is where it is. It's because this small, insignificant piece, this small decision, this small how I treat someone who cut me off, how I send that email, how I uh, interact with the person next to me, that matters. This makes that a reality, right? And if you throw too many of these pieces away, you've lost the big picture. In fact, Balaam, his story is so interesting because in this moment, he got it all, he has it right. He has it figured out. Yeah, I need to do what God says. Oops, I messed up. I'm back on track. In the New Testament, it talks about Balaam And they talk about him as an evil man who deceived Israel and led them astray. Balaam, at one point, had all the big pieces in place, but he kept throwing his pieces away. He kept ruining his little stuff. The reason I picked this picture is because, for me, this is something that I care deeply about. This is someone who does not have access to clean water. And for me, it seems like such an obvious thing. If water is a need, we can meet that need, right? Like, it's, water solves so many problems. And so this is something I'm passionate about. And I don't know if God's calling me to go to Africa. I don't know if God wants me to dig a well. I don't know if God wants me to do a fundraiser and raise a bunch of money. I don't know what God has planned for me with this. But this is something that I care about a lot. And big picture, this has something to do with my big picture, But I can never do this. I can't be the kind of person that makes this happen if I don't get this right. If I lose this, I'm never going to have that. In fact, this small insignificant thing actually prepares me for that. The kind of person I need to be to do that starts here. So you see it? It's not just about the big stuff. It's not just about the big macro, big picture, vision, dreams thing. It's how you respond to that email. It's how you react when you're driving out in the parking lot. It's how you, the tone in your voice when you make that phone call. And by the way, the people who are watching you, the people who don't have the big picture that you and I have, that knows who Jesus is, that understands this life that is in Christ, they're not watching the big picture. I'm sorry, they're just not. What they're watching is this. 
Oh, look at this. Let's see, let's see what they do with that. Ooh, that's what's really going on. They, you know, they claim to be big picture. They claim to have that figured out. Look at that. Mess that up. Maybe they're not as spiritual as we thought. And I don't want to scare you into this because I know that for me, when I hear that kind of thing, I go, crap, that's a lot of little stuff. That's 2,000 pieces. I mess up a lot. And I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, but I mess up a lot. I, get a, I throw a lot of these pieces away. But you have to know the kind of God that we serve to understand this. We might have to modify your big picture of God a little bit. You see, God doesn't just create this picture and say, have fun, good luck. Hope you, hope you manage with those little pieces. Find the, find the edges first, that's my advice. That's not the kind of God we serve. The kind of God that we serve is the God who says, okay, here's the big picture, and here's a little piece. Do you want me to walk you through it? Here, let me help you find the pieces. Hey, let me tell you how they go. And by the way, if I need to have a talking donkey help you figure this out, we're in. Okay. This is the kind of God that we serve. This is the kind of God that actually is on your side. He's actually vying for you to win. He, you go back to the villain's lair. God isn't in the villain's lair. God is here. And God is helping you with this. And you know the, what, what kind of God this is? Is the kind of God that if we say, you know what, forget that. And then we later say, oh, I wish I wouldn't have forgot that. It's the God who says, okay. That's okay. Here we go. Where'd that piece go? You messed this up. Here, let's bring it back. Let's try this again. All right, Kevin. Round two. Let's do this. That's the kind of God that we serve. And so this morning, I don't know what your big picture is. This is mine. And maybe when we're talking about this kind of thing, this big picture stuff, uh, you're here and you're like, oh, got it. Know what that is for me. I, I have my big picture. Keep that in mind right for a moment. If you don't, uh, let's just take a moment and just ask God. Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to like close my eyes and like whatever. Just, just in, your, in your mind, just ask God now, okay, God, what is my big picture? And I'm sure that most of you have already kind of have like a, um, I don't have it all figured out, but I kind of, there's this piece and this piece and this piece. And the next step of this process is, okay, I got the big stuff. What about this piece? Where are the pieces, God? Where do you want? And I'm sure that I say little stuff and you immediately go, oh, I know. There's this moment. Oh, there's this moment. Oh, there's this. Let's start to invite God in those things. Let's start to do what Balaam did. Just bow down before God and say, God, I missed you here. I was counting the past of the team in White Maid, and I missed you. And let's begin to invite God into those little situations. You know, last week, uh, Kurt mentioned, he showed us this video of a woman screaming and uh, how it made her feel better. And he made this comment that I love. He said, you know why we don't do that anymore? Because if you keep being angry, you get really good at being angry. We know the reverse of that is true as well. If you get really good at seeking God in the little stuff, if you get really good at finding God's heart in the little insignificant things, in getting better at Halo, I mean, really, 
if you get good at, God, at finding God in those moments, you're going to find God here. And that's, that's just how it works. You know, uh, when I first became a Christian, uh, I uh, was in high school, and I used to come home, and, and my dad was working, and my brother and sister were in junior high, so I had about an hour and a half of just the house to myself, which is pretty sweet. Uh, and when I, I would come home, and after I became a Christian, I said, hey, let's make use of this time and pray, and like read the scriptures and that kind of thing. And the first time I came to God in prayer, I'm glad there was no one there because it was just awful. Like, I came to God, and it was like, hey, God, what's up? This is kind of weird. Hope you're here. Um, How was your day? My day was good. Amen. (laughs) I'm not making that up. It sounds made up. I'm not making that. That was my first, like, my first, like, week of praying was that. How was your day, God? That was awesome. Talk to you later. And, but I did that every day for a while. And then I learned in church, like I heard people saying this phrase that like, oh, that must be the key. Is they'd say at the end of their prayer, they'd be like, in Jesus' name. Ooh, let's incorporate that. So I'd be praying like, what's up, God? So uh, my day was hard. This girl, I don't know if she likes me anymore. Um, but yeah, that was a tough day. Hope your day's good. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> and uh, later I learned what that was about and why we do that and that kind of thing. And there actually is a good reason why we say that. Um, but, and so after a while, I became good. Can you speak good at prayer? Yeah, I think you can. I became good at prayer. And I became good at, at taking time and seeking God. Well, eventually I learned uh, we actually shared a computer at that time. We had one computer in our house. And uh, if we were all there at the same time, if you want to play a game, you get like 10 minutes, and then you switch, and then someone else gets 10 minutes, and then you get back again. I learned I have an hour and a half where I don't have to share. So instead of taking that time praying, I started taking that time uh, playing the computer and not sharing. And I got really good at not sharing, uh, and I started getting bad at praying. And so that thing that we focus on is this thing we get better at. It just kind of happens that way. And so my encouragement to us is that we'd be the people who would seek God in this, in this little one two thousandth of a big picture, because this is what matters. I want to close with the scripture. It's in uh, Philippians chapter 4. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In everything, present your requests to God. I looked up the Greek word for everything, and it means everything. <laughs> no, seriously. Everything. It, it doesn't mean everything spiritual, whatever that is. It doesn't mean everything that affects other people. It doesn't mean everything that is in the scriptures. It means everything. In everything, everything that we go through, whether it seems huge, whether it seems tiny, let's bring it to God. Bring it to God. So let's pray. Jesus, we come before you and we thank you that you are the kind of God who paints us a big picture 
helps us put the pieces together and helps us pick up the pieces when we drop them. Lord, I thank you that you're here with us today and I ask right now that you would speak to each one of us, that we would have a big picture perspective of life, but that we would also, uh, within that big picture, be mindful of the details and the little things, the small, insignificant, sometimes in our minds, stupid things. I just ask that we would bring those to you as well. And this morning, if you're here, and, and I want to invite you, you don't have to do this, but uh, if you just want to cup your hands as if you were holding like a, your big picture here, or maybe it's your little picture, but it's that thing that when I say, oh yeah, that thing you want to bring to God, you immediately in your head go, yes, that. And I want you to hold it in front of you as if you're inviting God to be a part of it. So God, we hold before you our hopes and our dreams and our fears and our anxieties and our desires and our big stuff and our little stuff and the stupid things that we just don't think that we should bring to your attention. We bring all of that here now. We say we might have missed you in some things, God, but we're aware of you now. Or would you speak to us Lord, that problem that seems like it just doesn't have a solution, would you speak to us about that? Lord, we give you everything. We thank you for who you are. In your precious and holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.